Today, we're talking about risk. Risk to your accounting firm from all those scary places in the digital world. Yep, cybersecurity. But it's not all scary here today. We're also going to talk about the country and the people that I've had like the biggest crush on forever. Yep, it's the land down under and all of those Aussies. I mean, why is like Australia like the coolest freaking country in the world with like the funnest people? Well, guess what? We're getting into all of that here today on Drink Why You Think, the happy hour conversation, yeah, between a couple of guys building their firm in really weird ways. I'm your host, Kenji, without my co-host, Matthew, here today. Yep, he's letting me run wild. And this episode is sponsored by Practice Protect. Create more trust and reduce your risk by using Practice Protect's all-in-one platform that helps you control access to client data, manage your firm's risk, all while standing compliance. Practice Protect, the only cybersecurity built for accounting firms that supports over 6,000 cloud applications and is used by over 15,000 accountants worldwide. Practice Protect. And my guest, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> Done well. And my guest here today is none other than the Practice Protect CEO, Jamie Beresford. Welcome, my friend. Welcome. Uh, tell us who you are. And most importantly, what are you drinking today? What am I drinking? Well, you've done such a good intro. <laughs> I don't think I can top that. My name is Jamie. <laughs> but what I'm drinking today is Little Creatures Pale Ale Ooh. from... Western Australia, a place called Fremantle. It's uh, a coastal area near Perth, the capital city, and it is my favourite beer in the whole world. In fact, I tried to post some of this to you guys for this episode, but they wouldn't let me. It's that special. They wouldn't let it out of the country. Oh, shame. That's terrible. That's terrible. Um, I'm not drinking anything that cool. I'm drinking what's the, it's the hippie hopped pale ale. It's another from McCall Brewing in Idaho. Yes, if you've been following along, you will know that I've got like a connection in Idaho who keeps sending me beer. Um, we're going to try this out. Oh, but also, oh, before I do my cheers, Jamie, even though I don't have an Aussie beer with me, I do have, hold on, especially for those watching along. Oh, nice. I've got my seven-mile nice. brewing hat. That's courtesy of Clayton Oates. Clayton Oates, our mutual buddy, sent to me. So this will have to be as close as I can get to this. But cheers, mate. Cheers. <laughs> um, by the way, for listeners and viewers, Jamie is currently drinking with us at six in the morning. That's just kind of how it. This kind of how it works, you know. I train for this, Kenji. Practice. He's a, he's a professional. He is a true professional. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, also, it's likely, James, and we'll talk about this a little bit later and get into it, why Aussies are like the most fun people. Um, he and I actually have stacked up a few other beers here just in case he and I, when we tend to get together, get um, – get <laughs> three more. I've got – I've got a few more with me as well, too. So I have a feeling that uh, we may get into these as well. It's going to get interesting. But all right, let's start let, Let's start a little professionally, just a little bit professionally, and then we'll kind of get into some more fun stuff. But I do think accounting firm owners 
are going to be enticed by the headline of this podcast. And I think some of the things that actually you are expert in around like security, because people do freak out about this. Um, I'll share candidly the acuity. Like we had an issue this week that we were kind of sound, sounding alarm bells. I mean, this stuff happens a lot. What like, all right. So here's my first question for you, Jamie. What's like the most common security area or security risk that you see that most accountants have like not, they haven't addressed yet. Like what's like the easy, like, oh yeah, most, most folks have not like dealt with it. What do you, what do you and your team typically say? Two-factor, like having no multi-factor across everything that covers and having like a single identity where all team members have a single identity that they're given Ooh. with a set of credentials. You know, there's this kind of, I think there's this, you know, app sprawl happening out there where there's just so many portals and apps and logins and banks and not having a single point of access around all of that's probably the, to sum it all up, that's, that's how I'd sum that up. So, okay, no two-factor authentication. People using those same credentials. I mean, I've been guilty of both those in the past. Um, does it matter getting a little bit in the weeds on what kind of two-factor authentication you use? Is just using it, the one that come over SMS, usually fine? Or do you need to use some of these authenticator apps? Or what's kind of ideal? The best, the best one I like is holding the QR code up to the screen. Yep. So then you don't have to type anything. But look, it's up to the user. You know, it's up to every, as long as there's a third factor, you're covered. And something that uses your mobile device, that's that's ultimately what's going to reduce that risk by a lot. Speaking of that, and going a little off track here, the last time I think you and I were together, I believe mm. it was New Orleans. Mm. Um, I believe it was fairly late in the evening on Bourbon Street. Do you know that I had my phone stolen? Do you remember this? I remember I remember <laughs> you were leaving and oh, on the way home, I actually gave you a heads up. And that's funny for me in, in the US. I was like, because you were leaving and yeah. um waiting for it, waiting for an Uber. I said, yeah. hey, watch, keep your eyes up. I think I said Yeah, I I I had my phone stolen. I got that anyway. But I say all that in that, like I I had to go through that of getting the new phone and then getting all my two-factor authentication put back on my phone. Mm. I was like, I was like, oh man, that was a little bit, little bit of a nuisance, but I think it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, kind of getting two-factor back on the phone. But that did freak me out a little bit losing my phone. Um let me flip that question a bit on security. Are there are there maybe places that accountants worry too much about from a risk standpoint that maybe it's just overblown or maybe it's like that you look at and say, Hey, that's not as big of a deal as you think things that people get all worked up about. Do you see that? as Yes. Well yeah. Yes. Accounts are all about their client, right? So when they talk about security, it's all about the client data that's in QuickBooks online or wherever that data is stored. Right. The devil is in the email, Kenji. Mm. It's all about breaching a mailbox when somebody gets in for starters right if you're using office 365 or g suite they're pretty easy to breach because well not easy but they're, they're everyone uses those platforms around the world not just yeah. accounting firms so there's a lot of intel and a lot of knowledge built around how to breach those platforms but once you get into your somebody's mailbox you can learn a lot about them you can find you know go through their send items see who their trusted people are initiate conversations on their behalf, um, 
reset passwords to other applications that send a, an email. There's so much you can do once you get into somebody's mailbox. And that is the new frontier. It's, and it, it's a fundamental shift. I guess we've been doing this since 2016 and cybersecurity has been growing. But 2022 and post-COVID, I believe, has been a fundamental shift towards email. And not just email, um, previously, there was more of a spray and pray approach to hacking and targeting. You would breach a mailbox and just spray an email to all of the contacts and entice them into clicking something. And it's embarrassing, right? right you might right. get, you know, a bit of impact for that for a few days, um, you know, a bit of a freak out. But now there's this more targeted approach where a human is going through and researching who you know and who you talk to. And exploiting those, initiating conversations and coercing people into either transferring funds or divulging access to sensitive data or doing things like modifying invoices. So cap setting a rule in Outlook so you mod you're capturing an invoice before it's been sent, modifying the bank details of a PDF, letting it send and, you know, these oh. sorts of things called it's called business email compromise, BEC. It is the the new frontier. So long, long answer to a simple question. The devil is in the email. Wow. Yeah, I don't know that people think about that that often. Like, yeah, it's kind of email. I got a bunch of garbage in there. Like, what's what's really valuable? There's some old newsletters and some spam, but I guess your point is there really is so much information that someone could pick through. And then and yeah, yeah and you can assume you. someone's identity. Yeah, you know? entirely. Interesting. Okay. Okay. It's making me nervous. There's lots of mm -hmm. all these threats out there, man. All these threats. Um, okay. So you said that was called BEC? Yep. BEC. BEC. So interesting. Yeah. And, you know, the payload, which is what they do once they get in, you know, you got to think of it it's a bit like a car accident. You know, when, when someone has a car accident, well, let's, let's do it different. A break. If someone has their house broken into, the first thing people ask is, what did they steal? What did they do? Whereas really the question to learn from is how did they get in? Yeah, yeah. So everyone wants to see, you know, everyone stares at the car accident. Everyone wants to know what the impact was, but thinking about how they got in and that comes back to that multi-factor because if you've got a second factor over your email and you're making it easy for everybody to log in and access that information by having a single identity across a whole firm, yeah. you're going to stop that entry method. Yeah. I mean, that's where, again, I know we used to do that in certain spots. I've used these accounts that a bunch of people had access to because you're always worried about, well, what if so-and-so is on vacation? Or what if we need to back them up and support them? It used to be, all right, we're going to create an email account. We'll share some credentials, you know, and it's going to be used across a lot of things. And I think many firms probably did that historically as kind of a workaround to be able to make sure, I know for us, when we were doing that, some of that, we were trying to make sure that information didn't get siloed, like oh, only this person knows about this particular issue. So we need multiple people to have access. But then you realize you've kind of opened up the door for all these things. Plus, those accounts tend to kind of be virally attached to so many clients. So if there mm -hmm. is a breach, it's kind of across many, many more clients and instances than you expect. So that is something we've had to do away with in the past. But it's it's tough. Some people build workflow around that and they're like, uh, am I am I really going to change all that? Because now it's going to get more difficult. But 
Yeah, I guess that'll that'll all it takes is having something like this happen or knowing another firm it happened to, and that'll scare the hell out of you. That'll that'll whew, that'll freak you out for sure. Um, all right, let's let's move. Let's keep moving. Let's stick in the profession, but I want to I want to pose a question that you hear a little more broadly about the accounting profession, less about security. But I I for so many years <laughs> there's this feeling in our profession, or people heard people talk about that in Australia, most accounting firms are like five years ahead of us U.S. firms. They're like, oh, in Australia, it, it's it's like the future of accounting over there. It's, you know, that's where the future is. Is that, is that a load of crap or is that actually fairly accurate? I'm, I'm super curious. I mean, you're, you're there, so you may have a bias, but like you've actually been back and forth quite a bit to the States, you know, firms all over the world is, is Australia the land of the future of accounting? Yes, but there's a couple of caveats there. First <laughs> of all, the tax, the banking and tax system is far simpler. Yeah. And secondly, comparative to the US, it's a peanut farm. <laughs> we got the same amount of accounting firms in Australia as we do in Northern California. So I don't buy into the whole Australian <laughs> cockiness of like, hey, we're so far ahead of you. I can't believe you're still using checks because it's like, you know, you guys are 30 times the size and that's a bigger ship to move. True, true. That's and the banking and tax, you know, all our tax is regulated from the federal government. There's no state and local tax. So just, it simplifies everything. Yeah. So, you know, there's a reason. It's not like the US is holding back or stuck in the past. It's just it's a bigger ship to move, and it's moving. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you see it moving. You see it moving closer. You see. You feel hundred like, percent. Oh, really? Most definitely. Yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It it was different in Australia though, right? Because cloud, the concept of cloud was almost a state of mind. It was pushed by zero. The incumbent, the equivalent to QuickBooks was a, a company called Myob that was delivering really bad service at the time. It kind of, you know, got pretty cocky as the as the main game. Zero came along and and you know, this browser-based, push this browser-based concept, and accountants just flocked to it. And it was almost like it is. It's a state cloud is a state of mind. Cloud right, accounting right. is like everyone wants to be cloud and everyone is cloud now. But the US has been different, right? Right? Because QuickBooks have got QuickBooks online. Right, right. And it hasn't quite happened the same way, but it's definitely happening. That's interesting because I, I agree with you. I do think it's happening. I, I I'm a big believer that zero played a large part in getting some of the cloud adoption going here in the US, but it was harder to your point. I think they were helpful and they came and pushed QuickBooks. They've got a, so I think the product, the QuickBooks product is a very, very online product. It's a very, very good one, but I think it was, it benefited from competition here in the US of zero coming into space. But the one thing I'm not, I feel like is different in the way that you described the way things were when zero came to market is there was still here in the US a great deal of resistance to the cloud, like almost fear of the cloud. It almost sounds like in Australia, there was like, people were like, yes, the cloud is here. They were excited or they thought it was cool. Whereas it it felt like it took some reason it took longer here in the US. People were didn't think it was quite as cool. They were more freaked out by it. So I don't know why that yep. is. I'm not sure why. I know why it is. Yeah, tell we've me. Only got, we've only got 200 years of history. We don't have as deep a connection with our past as the U.S. does. 
Yeah, it's a cultural thing. Hmm. You know, I've my experience is in the, like we got a very simple history. Like Australia, British came. That was it. Two hundred years ago. There's not as yeah we're not as you know I think in the US it's like well this is how it was always done this is how George Washington did it <laughs> and there's there's a certain cultural thing about checks you know I do business with you we sign the agreement I sign a check and I hand it to you there's yeah. a certain tradition in that and, yeah. and Australia doesn't really have that pride in its history and pride in its in its background yeah. I think and that's what's why Australia's moved so rapidly to the future? That is interesting. I, I could I could see that for sure. I mean, it does. There is a sense when you talk to those who are trying to move to the cloud or have been resistant to it. Of, of yeah, we've been a successful firm. We've done it this way for many years. We're still successful. I mean, there are still a lot of people using desktop accounting software out there, which seems mind blowing, but these are successful firms who have actually done relatively well. So I think there is some sense of tradition. And I it's interesting. I think that US, we always think we're the new kids on the block. Like, oh, Europe, Europe's been around forever and so many years. And I guess we don't, in a typical US style, we don't think about others that much. We're like, you forget about you guys. Yeah. You guys have been around half as long, really kind of as us. And probably makes you more adaptable to change because there's just not that long tradition there. So. Sure. Yeah, in in a market a thirtieth of the size, though, I'd say there's probably more cloud accountants in the US than there are in Australia. Mm. Even though it's probably only what X. I'm this, you know, this would be a Blake Oliver question, but ten percent of the market, ten twenty percent of accounting firms, and CAS and bookkeeping firms are, are moving pretty rapidly. They are, yes. CPA firms are held back by the tax software. Yeah, you know, there's really only a handful of cloud-based tax apps, and that's going to take a lot of time. We waited quite a while before launching our tax team for that exact reason, because we just could not find good cloud-based tax software. And in fact, we were I said, I know that we needed to create a tax team, but we weren't going to do it until there was cloud software. Because I, I thought there's no way, it's not going to persist for too much longer, but I just couldn't even bear the thought of having to go on desktop or server-based software. And so it took a while until Intuit put out uh, their PTO, ProConnect Tax Online. And we thought, well, it's not perfect. There's missing some features of some of the other tools, but man, there was no way in hell that we were going to go on to some kind of desktop server base. So mm. that's, um, I don't think I've heard it quite described that way that you just did, Jamie, but that makes total sense to me that that's those who had a tax component, you're going to be held back because almost all of them are still using some form of a server-based desktop software. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We're figuring out some of the differences here between us and Australia. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a, such a, dramatic shift what you know once you go full cloud all of that complexity goes like from an it perspective from a tech guy perspective you basically need a new it guy right because the guy that looks after server-based apps he's talking about hardware and he's talking about hosted servers and all of that sort of stuff that all of that's gone <laughs> almost it's still there 10 percent, and then it's about understanding workflow you know actually understanding what the users do on top of that platform. 
So is your uh, is your solution built only for cloud, or do you also touch some desktop and server based machines? No, we, we we touch desktop as well. So okay. the whole on the cyber cyber security side and practice protect side. But bear in mind, we've got a, a managed services company as well, and okay. um, so we do IT for accounting firms gotcha. and gotcha. for for cloud based firms predominantly. You know, if okay. if you have a a significant amount of server footprint, we're probably not the guys for you, yep. but. Um, yeah, because yeah. the game completely changes. You don't really need a traditional tech guy anymore. You need somebody that's more workflow oriented, someone that's good at Zapier, somebody that actually knows how what actually happens on top of all these applications. Right, right. It's interesting. Um, okay, so another more specific zero question. And by the way, the same thing's happening as it always happens with you. I feel like beers go down a lot faster whenever I'm having you for some reason. <laughs> we're we're going to rate our – hey, ladies and gentlemen who are listening to the podcast, we may be rating our beers today by number consumed, not by the – we're going to go quantity, quantity versus quality is what we might go with here. So, uh, okay. As I, down the hatch. As I get to my next one with you here. Um, so – this year, 2023, Zero made the announcement that ZeroCon's only going to be in Australia, Sydney, I think, to be specific. Um, so, should U.S. accountants consider making that flight and coming on over? Like, what would what would you say? Should you, would you be like, ah, forget it, it's too long, don't bother, or would it be like, nah, come over and have your mind blown and just get ready for the biggest party? Like, what's the I don't know. We, we, this has been a little bit of a conversation amongst some other friends of mine who are U.S.-based accountants and firm owners of like, all right, what do you think? Should we maybe make this our, our year to go visit a bunch of our friends like you and Clayton and others and Heather Smith and whoever else over there? Like, come, should we come to what's – your, what's your pitch? Yay or nay? Mate, it's a blessing in disguise for you guys because you're going to come and see. You're going to see a total different vibe and learn so much. Sure, it's a smaller market, but it is thinking differently. And anyone who makes that trip is going to see something completely different. It's not going to be just another zero con. Like put aside all the fun we'll have yeah, and all the places we're going to take you and all the things we're going to show you. <laughs> it's going to be something you'll talk about for 10 years minimum. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I, you I, make it, you will get, you will get it. You know, yeah, sure. It's a long flight. It's, but it's it's not that bad, right? <laughs> you just sit there. <laughs> if you've got all these points left over from COVID, you fly up the front. It's not too bad. Get here. Um, but you will learn a lot and you'll get, a, get to see a completely different perspective. And I always think in business, sometimes being different is being better. You know, all you got to do is be a little bit different and see some different perspective and it can really change the way. So, my point is, you know, going to another zero con in the US, yeah, it's going to be easier to get to, but it's just another zero con. It's just another conference. Whereas you come down under and you see how what firms are doing down here, you're going to learn a lot. Interesting. Did you feel that way when you came to the, what was your first zero con US? Was it this year? Yeah. Last, last year? So, so New Orleans, was that your first time coming to a zero con? It was my first zero con, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess pretty dramatically different from what you've experienced in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, 100%. Just we're talking to firms, different, you know, different stages. 
Um, but way more fun for me. I love <laughs> the US. You know, if it was business-wise, I would have stayed. I, li- I lived there for a year in, yeah, in Colorado and yeah. purely commercially, uh, you know, hundred. it's 100% more fun. <laughs> Australia's a small market, has its limitations. But um, from a life perspective and family, unfortunately, they uh, – yeah, that was what tipped the scales. Tipped the scale to to, to bring you back. Um, yeah. Well, okay, okay. I, I feel like that gives some momentum um, when we think about U.S. folks coming over. I, I feel like okay, my head was definitely in the let's learn some new things for sure. But I'm also like, man, I just feel like uh, whenever I'm with Aussies, like it's just a fun time to be had. I just feel like <laughs> I've yet to meet someone from Australia and it's not been a huge pool of people, but like, they're always fun. They're always, you know, out for a good time. And I'm like, okay, let's say I go and maybe the content's not great. I feel like no matter what, I'm going to have a good time. If I were to go to zero con Australia. Clayton and I are already planning it. (laughs) We're coming to accounting salon to lay the groundwork. Oh yes. We're not promoting businesses in, in we're not sponsoring as our businesses. We're sponsoring a zero con Australia. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That is fantastic. I I'm a hundred percent down for that then. Um okay. I mean, man, I, I'm I'm super okay. I got I gotta make I, I'm gonna come off this podcast and start making some travel plans. I I've already I'm already feeling that. That's in August, I believe. Late August is when ZeroCon Sydney. And I assume yep. Sydney seems like a great city. I mean, it's per, per, Sydney's awesome. Yeah. Be- one of the most beautiful cities in the world, but we'll, we'll, we'll do some tours as well. We'll have a look around. Oh, very nice. Very Mate, nice. How far are you from Sydney? I'm about seven hours drive. Okay. Yeah. And would you, would you drive? Would you 40 drive? minutes fly. No, I'll fly. 40 yeah. minutes. Okay. Okay. Yep. But this but this brewery here is seven miles by you, right? That's near. Yeah, it is. It's at our okay. local airport. So you go to the you go to the airport and you go early and then yep. you sit in the brewery instead of sitting in the terminal. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Oh my gosh. That's so much that's fantastic. No wonder you and Clayton know it well. Um all right. So I I learned some interesting facts. I was looking this up. One one of the ones about, again, I've always wanted, I think in my heart to be an Aussie. I'm I'm working on seeing if maybe they'll give me dual citizenship. So maybe I'll have to, you know, but like I learned that it, I saw this online. If you were to visit, it said one new beach in Australia every day, it would take you 27 years to see them all. Like literally you could live on the beach, a different beach every single day. I mean, I guess I was thinking about that. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, how in the world, I'm like 365 times 27, there's that many freaking beaches. But then I'm like, then again, Australia is freaking huge. So yeah, it's like, is everybody live on the beach in Australia? Yeah, yeah. 85% of Australians live within 20 kilometers of the coastline. It's all around the outside. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, see, it's just not. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair yeah. for us. I mean, hey, I got a, I got a question for you. Bring it. If we finish talking, we can talk talk about Oz in a bit. What yeah. what intrigued me about uh, Acuity was, I think it was last year we were having a conversation, and you engaged. Uh, you've got a specialist HR person. Yep. 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 Um, I believe you're at around about eighty staff when you brought that person on. Yep. Yep. 
Tell me more. How's how's that evolved since then, <laughs> having a specific HR person? It has been game-changing. Like, it has been, in fact, let's talk about this recently. So we were probably even a little bit bigger than that, Jamie. We were probably a little over 100 people when we brought her on. We're now about 150, if you count all of our team members who are in the Philippines and in the Caribbean. But we went way too long before we hired someone. In fact, you and I are both part of an organization that's been very helpful for each of us, Entrepreneurs Organization or EO. And a friend of mine at EO is an HR consultant. Her name's Teresa Murphy. And I said, Teresa, I feel like we probably need someone in HR. And she goes, she asked how big we were. And I said, I don't know. We're probably, we have a lot of part-time people, but you know, a hundred or so. And she kind of looked at me and thought, you don't, you don't have anybody in HR? And I said, no. She goes, yeah, we need to get you somebody. And so we did. And it was like immediate, immediately we started seeing benefit. Um, and I think the ways that we saw the most immediately were I was, I've always been pretty good at relating to team members. I'm good on the culture side. And I think I thought HR was just like, oh, you got to be rah-rah. You got to be, you know, but there's so much compliance. There's so much, how do we get the best benefits? How are we thinking about people's growth and developments? How are we giving people feedback into how they're performing? And Amber is her name. Amber is our HR manager. She's actually, we're celebrating like right here in January is like her one year she's been with us. I mean, we've put in, performance management plans, uh, development paths for people. Uh, and we finally started giving people a more clear understanding of how the organization works, um, which was, we didn't realize people were struggling. They're like, I don't know who to go to. We're getting kind of big. I don't, do I talk to Kenji about this or Matthew or who do I talk to? We had no clarity on that with people. They didn't quite understand what their growth path was. And you're only going to survive so long if you're not giving team members a clear idea about how they can grow and develop. Amber built that in. We didn't have a very, we didn't have a feedback mechanism to where um, we could give them feedback about how they were performing and where they could improve. And likewise, we needed a feedback mechanism where they could give feedback to us. And so she's built in monthly. We have data points and check-ins on where the team gets to give very, very clear uh, anonymous feedback back to us about how are we doing as a firm? We'll, we'll pick specific areas like um, recognition or compensation and benefits each month and hone in on those and get feedback. And I mean, Jamie, it's crazy. I We tell everyone, please, please fill those surveys out <laughs> because I read through every one of them. They're fascinating, right? I, all of our ideas, especially our good ones, all come out of the team. I mean, we've got that many people. We want to get that hive mind and get ideas about what we can do to improve. And now we've got a mechanism that people are utilizing to give us feedback. We can go read it, look at it, absorb it as a management team. Think about, okay, we need to address this issue. We're seeing a trend here where we've got to fix some things. Before, you may get some anecdotal evidence or you may run into somebody over Zoom or Slack and they may tell you something. But formalizing feedback loops has been game-changing. And I think out for both us and for those team members and being, creating much more clear paths for growth. It's been, uh, it's yep. really been the best thing we've done uh, easily in the past few years. And, and having watched you guys grow, it was one of the last functions you put in place, you know, obviously, yeah, you know, behind sales marketing, behind a lot of other areas of the business. 
And that is not unusual. Um, you very rarely hear a lot of discussion or talk around people. You know, we, we go to events, right? We talk about revenue. What do you hear people say? I've got a new client that we're four grand a month. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, it's all about revenue growth, you know, growth. And if you look at it from an EOS perspective, they talk about external growth and internal growth. My question to you, Kenji, after two beers, is <laughs> why do you think people never talk about people when it's such an important part of our business, right? Without people, you don't get things done. We've got these fixed cost assets, monthly fixed costs floating around in our business. You don't see a lot of learning and you don't hear a lot of conversation around it. Why do you think that is? I I, I think that um, when you're a smaller firm, and boy, I remember those days well, and some days I miss being a smaller firm because you as the firm owner yourself can go and deliver all the work. Now, I remember when people used to leave, take a better job, whatever it might be. I could usually go, okay, well, I'll, I'll pick up the slack and do that. I'll, I'll just do the work. Um, it's kind of that commitment you make as an entrepreneur. Like, I'll figure it out. I'll go do it. Then you get to a certain size um, where- And a certain age. And a certain age and a certain experience <laughs> level. You're like, I'm not, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not just, I'm not going to do it. And then you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. And to me, it's been very, very clear of the business we're in right now, Jamie, is much more about, I spend the majority of my time focused on, um, as I think the the supply side of the equation, not the demand side. There's so much demand for accounting services. It's everywhere. There's so much work out there. And people who bicker or worry about competing with other firms, I think it's stupid. I think it's ridiculous because there's so much work. There's more work than any of us can do we have to figure out the supply side at the people side. And so it has been a little bit counterintuitive that people haven't said, I mean, I, I don't know really any other firms that are going, oh, I can't find clients. Clients are everywhere. People are firing clients. So I don't, the, the community has been very slow to react to it. Wait a minute. How much more could I grow and do if I focused most of my energy on getting good team members and retaining them? It's been one of those- And motivating them. And motivating it's been, and I, I'm starting to see that turn a little bit. I was just out um, uh, last week with a bunch of other accountants. We did, we did some skiing. We were out in Utah and Colorado, just a little bit, a little bit of skiing, had to have some fun, but also we're at some events and things. And it's more of the conversation is starting to shift to this. Um, and I, I, but I think it's, I hope it's not a little too late. I hope it's not a little too late. I, I literally just got a Slack message. Um, from one of my partners about a friend who just lost a bunch of people, you know, and we're looking to go jump in and Hey, maybe how can we help out? There are people who are leaving the profession. There are people who are leaving the profession. There are people who are going out on their own. I mean, I, I don't think you can be a successful firm. You're not going to be one unless you figure out a way to go and attract people because mm -hmm. otherwise, guess what? That means I and Matthew have to go back in there and do the work ourselves, which we can do. If we had to feed the families, we would do that. But mm -hmm. we're not growing the business. And so I think no. that many of those, I think it comes down to many accounting accountants think of themselves more as practitioners of accounting and not entrepreneurs and business people. They haven't made that shift. EO was a huge part of that for me of thinking, I got to be a Same. business. I got to build something here. And I think that's probably why 
being around other business owners who weren't services businesses or weren't accountants who didn't hold onto their practice so dearly that it has to be me, I'm the only one who can do it, probably made an easier transition to thinking about, we got to focus on people and finding people much better than me to do the work. But I know a lot of practitioners now who just won't give up the work. They're like, no, I don't want to, I'm the, I'm the best one to do it. My clients only want to talk to me. And I think that holds people back. I think that holds them back. And, and, and again, I say that our HR person, the other person that helped us too, Jamie, was we brought in not only an HR person, we brought in a dedicated recruiter, which all she does is just recruits for us. It's like, it's almost like on a- Internal or consultant? Internal, internal for us. Mm-hmm. And so yep. I think of it almost like in the same way of like, wait a minute, we invest in a sales team to go create a sales pipeline. Why would we invest in a recruiter to create a pipeline of candidates? And so we did that. Um, I know a few other firms. I was talking to Nick Pascarosa, uh, Bookkeeper 360, and a few others who've like, oh, that's another important role of getting a recruiter, like create a hiring pipeline. Because it's like, we do that for sales. Why wouldn't we do that for recruiting as well, too? So it's starting to happen, but I think it's been a little bit slow. And I think it's probably the firms who think more entrepreneurially, like a business, mm-hmm. that have made that have made that leap a little quicker. Is it, would you Would you say that that's probably... It seems right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know why that conversation tends to be so such a boring one for generally. Yeah. You, you just, it's not something people talk about. And I think it's the most critical part of business. Yeah, sure. But, you know, I'm in cybersecurity. I'm a tech business. You're an accounting and bookkeeping firm, CAS firm. We're all in the people business. All of us. And yeah. it's a really under discussed topic in business because without people you're just going to end up doing all of the work yourself and sure that's fine when you're 35 but not when you're 20 years in at 55 no um not. not that either of us are yet there just yet but you know and that's why people are working business firm owners are working 70 hours a week and burning right. out because right. not investing in people really interesting topic and um talking about people when you global teams is another part of the people conversation that both of our businesses probably have as a point of difference. How does your HR team member manage the international aspect of your your teams? Well, I'll tell you, yeah, I, I'm glad you asked this, Jamie, um, because we're kind of just stepping into this. Just back in uh, November, we made our first trip over to the Philippines. I know you've lived all over the world. I think you've been to the Philippines probably many times. And four years, I lived there. You lived there. You lived in Fiji, I think, right? You've been all no, over. No, Bali. Oh, Bali, Bali. Sorry, Bali. Bali yep. um, sorry, sorry. One of these other beautiful island <laughs> locations. Um, sorry, Bali. But, um, you know, when we went over, one of the important aspects of us to going over and spending time in the Philippines was um, when we got to be face-to-face with our team. And there's just something about really being in the same room with them and breaking bread with them and having drinks with them and, and solving problems with them. But also in their community and in their culture, understanding that there are differences. And there, the differences from what we experienced in the States, I, I thought were amazing. Some Some are more alike than I thought. Many are much different. And one of our takeaways coming off of that trip was saying, you know, we have a wonderful new HR person, but I think we're going to need somebody locally 
someone maybe in country who really has a closeness to um, the culture and really, really how, how team members internationally think. And so our plan is once we're, our entity is all set up and we kind of go live with that this year is to have a dedicated full-time HR person who probably works with our current U S person to, to really kind of be that advocate for the team over there. Localize. Yeah. I, I, t- I talked to our HR team member and she's so bright and talented and she's super interested in like learning more about what does HR human resources and, and supporting teams look like in the Philippines. But I also said, I'd, I'd like you to, I'd like you to have a counterpart over there, somebody who you can trust and can get information from and you can share ideas with, but it's probably going to help there. So that's kind of our current thinking. We have not hired that person yet. We have not, mm. Our entity isn't fully established there yet. So what we've done is we've had such wonderful partners in the Philippines, like Toa and like Nimble, who we've been able to trust them to say, hey, we're going to lean on your practices for knowing how things work in country. But as people start coming to work directly for us, we're going to have to develop our own skill set of like understanding that a bit better. When we were there, when we were there at that team in November, we said, that's what we're looking for. One of the reasons why we're doing this is we've gotten to a size and scale to where we have so many people here. We think we'd like to have you have a stronger voice in how we mm-hmm. run the company. And me as a guy from the States, I may have some ideas about things, but I'm going to really need people there who are local to raise their hand and say, oh, this would be attractive to more team members, or this is a benefit that would help retain us better, or this is a work style that will help. And we're looking forward to having a bit more of that. But it's been our partners over there have been instrumental for us getting there, but we're going to have to figure out that and develop, yeah. develop that own muscle ourselves, I think. So, yeah, the compliance aspect goes through the roof as well. You mentioned earlier HR manager handling the documentation and the formality of the process. Our our experience, we got 50 in, in PH, mm. and our experience, we're having all sorts of dramas with tardy, oh, they call it tardiness, lateness, and um, attendance. Yeah. It wasn't until we started following, you know, we're a very informal company. And I think, yeah. you know, we're like, hey, you know, you were late. Why? What's going on? And, you know, every company meeting, hey, guys, put all these incentive plans in. Until we started following their um, performance management process in the Philippines, they call it an NTE, a notice to explain. Yeah. Until we started following that documentation process, which is a pain in the ass, right? Because you've got yeah. to complete these documents, issue them, have a meeting, and until we got a HR person on the ground that could go through that process, attendance turned around like that, engagement turned right? around like that. Yeah, it's all about the documents. That's that's our experience so far, and uh, yeah, yeah, that, that makes um, sense. That makes sense to me though, Jamie, because one thing we really have experienced, and I don't think I quite understood it until we got over there, is. Um, our team members in the Philippines really love to perform well. They love to, um, they're just, they've been amazing, but they've really liked to have very, like things like a, like a process or very scripted out expectations. They really relate to. So being able to document something, I've told that before. It's, if you, they, they, It's part of the culture. Their culture loves that. Their culture yep. really responds to that versus here in the States, Man, don't document that. Just have a quick conversation. Tell me what's going on. That doesn't seem to resonate the same way as it does over there. Is that your same experience? That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's 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 my experience for sure. For sure, and it, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I I really loved being over there. We we uh, 
Um, we spent some time on Barakai, which was beautiful. A little bit of time in Manila. Uh, just beautiful people. Great country. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. Where, where, where did you live when you were there? In Manila, in the big, Manila. the big smoke. Yeah, the big smoke. Yeah, it would, you wouldn't live out your days there, but uh, it was, it was a good experience. Yeah, it was a good experience. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, what? By the, you know, interestingly, one other thing I've noticed is. I feel like when I'm traveling, I'm always running into, if it's not someone local, it's someone from Australia. Like, is that a thing? Like, do Aussies yeah, it's in our travel? time zone, right? Yeah. Asia's our South America. You know, it's in our time zone. It's yeah. it's it's a quick, quick flight. Uh, so, yeah, that's, it's it's but, a bit, and it's in our. Yeah, but even beyond there, I feel like, I don't know, I, I always feel like I, you know, Aussies are, I won't say everywhere, but not, not the biggest country in terms of population, but I always just feel like. Aussies travel more because our yeah. country's our country is fant- they call it the lucky country. It's an easy country to live in, but um it's not as interesting and diverse. You know, 88% <laughs> of Australia is white Anglos- Anglo-Saxon Australians. Yeah, yeah. And um if you are the type of person that wants to experience more, you gotta travel. Mm. Interesting. So I think that's it's a long way from the rest of the world, which is great. We've got you know um, a, a very lucky situation, but um, growing up, it's a little bit boring. Really? I mean, yeah. There's well, always people-wise, culturally, you know, it's, it's pretty I, generic. But yeah. There's no yeah. different accents. You go from one side of Australia to the other; it's the same accents, the same food. Um, very everything's very simple in Australia, but if you want to kind of Get out there, you gotta travel. And Asia is a very easy place for us to travel because it's close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes good sense. I mean, I think, and maybe that's why I'm drawn to it. I just think of like it just, I don't know. I feel like Australians I've met are are very straightforward. They're just fun-loving people. They're exploratory. They get all over the world. They're always up for a good time. They're kind of fun-loving. I don't know. I'm always drawn to oh. uh, Australians for some for some reason. Um well, so, we're drawn to you guys too, Kenji. You guys are the most informal people I've met. You and Matt. <laughs> I the other way I describe you is informal, and that's how Australians are. Yeah, informal. That's exactly informal. I think that's what probably resonates as well. Just being someone informal that we can hang out with. Um I'll, I'll maybe finish up with this before we rate our beers. And I, I'm expecting you to rate yours very high. Um, I may actually see if I can crack into one more before, you know. Um just, just to, you know, we're literally on opposite times here. I, I want to at least be on our very first podcast that we've gotten into three beers. And we just need, there's nobody else I would prefer to do that with than you. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Um, I'm not going to ask you to say anything inappropriate, but you have, because you have, a few times taught me some amazing Australian sayings. Some of them are not appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> now that we're into our third beer. I mean, what what are what are okay, if, if I were to come to ZeroCon this year, I'm just trying to prepare for any other good Aussie sayings or phrases, um, either to be prepared for or to try to work on so that I can, you know. Prove to other Australians, you know, that I, I, I've studied up a bit on the culture. 
Um, I don't know. What, what do you got for me? You, got, you always have some good Yeah, ones. you, know, you kind of need a situation to rattle them off. It's so, <laughs> you know, and some of them might be a little bit too informal for this. <laughs> that's this that's, uh, we'll leave but, spiders uh, out of it and things, you know. Yeah, generally we'll <laughs> leave the spiders out. Um, mate, you're just going to have to come and check it out. Okay, that's fair. That's but, fair. That's fair. Yeah. How how long how how long should I come for? Like, what what would be the ideal? You know, obviously I can't come for ever, but like the minimum yep. amount. If, if someone, if we were to say we're going to create the Kenji Jamie Clayton trip to ZeroCon, you should budget at least bare minimum this many days. What would we tell? Ten you? days. Ten days. Ten yep. days. That's like three for the conference. Yeah. Seven to travel minimum. Ten to fourteen. Ten to fourteen. You can do okay. fourteen even better. Even better. Okay. And do you and do you have already a little bit of a sense of kind of like what you know what we do? Oh yeah, I figured it's you been did. discussed. <laughs> yep. It's been discussed. So yeah. Sydney's a great city. Okay. For a capital city, just that that harbor and the beaches and the the the, the amount you can do around there is pretty cool. Um so you'll get the you'll get the cultural aspect, the the the, the people side of australia but also the the nature the beauty the, the natural stuff oh, um so outstanding what's a uh, very what, cool trip what's weather going to be like and when we come in august it's going to be you know all right uh it's coming out of winter okay be all right okay okay be so, right. Can... so mate weather's so unpredictable these days i don't think we can follow the norms now you know it could be a drought we could have bushfires you just weather's crazy everywhere in the world now but so, here's another one of these crazy things. Again, you were out in Colorado, one of my favorite places in the world, just because I have family and such out there. I just came back, was doing some skiing and some stuff up there. Did I I saw this correctly that like the Australian Alps, which I didn't realize there were such a thing, gets more snow than like the Swiss Alps? No, is that nah it's BS? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not real high. We got two mountains, they're all right, but not nothing like Japan. Japan's the way forward. Oh. Yeah. Northern For Japan. Us. Oh man, that's yeah. a that, that's 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 a, the closest. That's... But you guys have got way more snow than us. We can't. We've got beaches, we've got waves. That's that's Australia. You don't go to Australia for snow. No, just don't even bother. Don't even bother with it. No. And okay, so maybe one last thing. Best uh I, I hear where you're at. And remind me again the city that you're you're in. I'm in Byron Bay, which is yeah, it's on the like east famous. coast. It's, yeah, I mean, is, is there is there a better beach in Australia than like I, I hear that's like that's considered? Mate, I, well, in my opinion, I'm 200 meters from the best beach in the world. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's a lot of beaches, but Australia's is chockers full of beaches. There's you know, it it is it's all about the beach. Everyone lives near the beach. Everyone surfs. Everyone, yeah, so. There's beaches everywhere, but in my view, this is the way forward around here. This is a very cool location. So I'm just hoping you and Clayton, especially in your new house, I know you're building, you and Clayton have got a lot of room there in the house for <laughs> we do, mate. We got heaps of room. We were already talking about it, mate. We have got the gold star trip for you guys. We just we'll just see who's coming and we'll make it happen. Beautiful. It's all Beautiful. Of, always us going over there and your hospitality. It's it's gonna be our turn, and we're pretty excited about that. Okay. 
I, 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 it's done deal. I've already decided three, three beers in, I'm going to go back here and like get on Delta.com and just go ahead and, and, and book it. And get then, on the mat. Yeah. Get on there. Um, my friend, it is always, I mean, you're one of those people I feel like I've known for a long time. It's probably our common EO background. It's probably a number of things. I think you and I, when we first met connected like instantly and we're, arms around each other, beer in hand, and just having a great time. And it's been something I know we've talked about having you on for a long time here. I would, again, I I had my Practice Protect sponsorship there kind of up front, but I would really tell other accountants listening to this, um, it's, it's going to be unusual if you have team members within your company who can truly provide the protection and security that we need to provide for our own team members and for our clients. Um, I really highly do recommend taking a look at what Jamie and his team have built at Practice Protect. It's, I mean, everybody in Australia, which you've already said is kind of somewhat the future of accounting is using it. It's just a matter of time. These guys have started coming to the States here a little bit. Take a look at what um, at what they're doing. And what's the best way to reach out to you, Jamie, if people... Or like, you know what? I need to start making a better investment in my cybersecurity. What's the best way for people to either follow you or reach you? We'll make sure we add these to the notes. We'll put links. But how do you want to connect with people most likely? Practiceprotect.com yep. to engage with the business. I'm on LinkedIn. Yep. Forward slash LinkedIn.com forward slash Jamie Beresford. Um, yeah, that's me. I'm not huge on social. <laughs> 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 that's, that's that's probably a good thing. That's probably a good thing. You're you're a wise yeah. you're a wise man for that. And um, you're going to be here in the states at accounting salon. And you usually hit a couple other events here in the states. Yep, yep. I've got it. We'll be at four events in the U.S. this year. Okay, excellent. Yeah, excellent. I can't wait to see you. We'll make sure we find out which ones you're at. But I'll get a chance to see you at. But um, okay. Let's go. And I'm going to rate our beers. All of our audience listening. Hopefully you remember where to go to rate your what, beer. What was your beer again? So I, my first one was the Hippie Hopped Pale Ale. I'm going to rate that one. The other one I drank here, or, and I'll do a couple of them. <laughs> I was drinking the Stein Gold out of, out of Houston, Texas. Um, our friends from Keeper sent us this uh, a couple of weeks ago. We drank it with them, and that's a good one I went back to. They sent me a lot of it, so I've been very okay, thankful. Ben and, ben and Ken? Ben and Kenny. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Kenny's Kenny, a legend, mate. Kenny's, Kenny's, Kenny's a, great. Such good value. We had Ben on with us, and it's funny, during our podcast, you can see Kenny is walking around in the background doing actual work while Ben's on there drinking with us. So it was great to have those guys on. This was from the Keeper guys, Ben and Kenny, legends. Um, so I'm going to rate. So let me pull up the little screen share if this works. Um, this is the... Hippie Hopped Pale Ale from McCall Brewing Company, um, from our good friend uh, Alex Miles at Fresh Books, who works with Twyla. This was this was solid. It, it was pretty good. I'm going to give it. Uh, well, it's not my favorite. I'm going to give it three point seven five, but actually, I'm going to bump it up to a four out of five, just because. Man, she keeps sending me so much beer, and I, I, I I'm grateful for that. So thank you, Alex, for that. Um, remind me again. Tell me again the name of your beer, Jamie. Little creatures. Little creatures. There it is, top. There it is, top one. There, boom. Okay, you can rate this. If this is if this is your absolute favorite, it should be well over four. Actually, you rate it however the hell you want to rate this thing. Um, 
and you can see all the different point increments. You can go five. We have five stars on here. We have. Mate, I'll go four, four and a half, four point two five. Four point two five. Yep. The little creatures, pale ale. Look at this. Um, fantastic. God, Good not, stuff. Good to see it there. It is there. I mean, all over the world. Follow. We tell all of our people, hey, follow us. Connect with us on Untapped, where we keep a track of all of our bad behavior. Uh, I hope it never gets pulled into a court case or anything of like, you know, is this true that you guys have consumed this many beers? Yes, it is. <laughs> well, I've had three now at 6 a.m. And now I've got to go look after my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Saturday, it's Saturday. should be an interesting morning. <laughs> it, it, should, it should be. Now, I'm at least starting my Friday evening. So at least it, for me. Right, you you're are, set. Yeah, I'm set. But you, sir, are a gem for coming on here. And I really appreciate it. It makes me really, really, really happy to see you and to get a chance to kind of hang out with you. I always love doing that. So uh, cheers to you, mate. Great to cheers, see you. Cheers, Kenji. Good on you, mate. And um, again, all of our listeners, please hit subscribe. Please give us some comments for what you'd like us to talk about next time here on Drink While You Think. Thanks. Cheers, you everybody. Say good day to Matt. You will do.